Will you pray with me? Before I pray, though, I want to ask each of you to take a moment and just silently pray for your elders. Pray for the staff. Pray for the person that's next to you. Pray for those who are in the back with our kids at this moment. Father God, we, we come before you. And our focal point is deconstruction, taking away distractions. So I pray that whatever we came here with, Lord, whatever we brought with us into this place, whether it was pain, physical pain, maybe it's uh, something we have left undone for work tomorrow, an argument with a spouse, whatever it is we brought here, Lord, I pray that we can set it aside so that we can hear your words, so you can speak to us clearly. Thank you for hearing our prayers and thank you for answering them. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. I have been looking forward to this message for a long time. I've uh, been preaching for about four, maybe five years now. And I've yet to preach a state of the church address. And I thought that'd be kind of fun to do. And so as we begin the state of, a church, state of the church address, I want to assure you all, Andy and his family are safe. You may not have seen them here today. They are in a non-disclosed location as per our policy when all of the staff and church leadership are in the same location for a state of the church address. Uh, if anything were to happen to the elders, the board of directors, myself, Andy will be able to step in as the lone survivor. So we've got, wait a minute, that's a different show. Sorry, I got, I got excited. I told you I was excited about this. Um, seriously though, I have a lot to share with you about the church of our nation, about what's happening in the city of Huntsville, and about Huntsville Christian Church itself. I want to get right to the point here. Um, there are a couple of things I found out about the state of the church in our nation, and they concerned me. As I get into this, don't be distraught. I have an answer as, as we get through this, so, so stay with me. But the, well, some of the things I found out about the state of the church is this, the Christian share of our U.S. population is in decline. Now, what I found is that the number of U.S. adults who do not identify with any organized religion is a growing number. According to an extensive new, or extensive new survey by the Pew Research Center, and you can look this up, I went to the Pew Research Center, they focus on uh, religious and Christian statistics, and that's what they said. More adults are stepping away from the church. Moreover, these changes are taking place across the whole religious landscape, affecting all regions of the country and many demographic groups. Uh, while the drop in Christian affiliation is particularly pronounced among adults, it's also happening in young adults. It's occurring among, among Americans of all ages. Those same trends are seen among whites, blacks, Latinos, Every, every ethnic culture, if you will. 
Those same trends are seen among both college graduates and adults with only a high school diploma. And among women as well as men. There's, there's no uh, difference here. One of the things that also is a part of that, according to the Pew Research Center, is religious intermarriage appears to be on the rise. What that means is Americans who have gotten married since 2010, nearly 4 in 10, 39%, report that they are religiously they are in a religiously mixed marriage uh, meaning one of them is of faith and one of them maybe is not or they're of different faiths different uh, religious values the rise in intermarriage appears to be linked with the growth of what they call religiously unaffiliated population nearly one in five people surveyed who have been married since 2010 are either religiously unaffiliated who who married a christian spouse or Christians who chose to marry someone of a different religion, different denomination, if you will. And by contrast, you may be thinking, why is that a big deal? Well, before 1960, that number was only 5%. And here in 2016, well, 2014, when this study was done, it's 39%. There's something to be said about being unequally yoked, brothers and sisters. Uh, single ladies, I got a little something for you. You are not going to save him. You're not going to change him. You're not going to change his mind later or, or anything else. He either loves the Lord first or he doesn't. And to the young men in the room, if you're just playing around, if you're just pretending that you love Jesus, well, shame on you. It will come back to haunt you later. Now, using what they call margins of error, and I don't understand all that because it's, it's not in my wheelhouse, so I'm trusting their margin of error. They calculated a probable range of estimates, and the Pew Forum says that it appears the number of Christian adults in the United States has shrunk by somewhere between 2.8 million and 7.8 million. Now, it doesn't matter which spectrum you go with. Even if it's a measly 2.8 million, that's too many adults walking away from the Lord. If it's 7.8 million, that's way too many adults walking away from the Lord. What's happening is, like I said last week, we have people trying uh, to honor God and they're trying to rebuild things on something they should have destroyed and they've, they've come back to a place of failure. You know, in Second Peter, Peter says this, he says, Second uh, Peter 21 through 22, he says, for it would be better for them not to have known the way of righteousness then having known it, to turn away from the holy commandment handed on to them. It has happened to them according to the true proverb. A dog returns to its vomit and a sow after washing returns to wallowing in the mire. There are, there are between 2.8 and 7.8 million people, Christians in America, that have turned back to their own vomit. You may think, well, that's an ugly state of the church address. The state of the church is this. The adults are walking away and they're leaving it up to the next generation to carry on without them. Except they're walking away and nobody's bringing up the next generation. There's a, there's a next generation of young adults who don't know what to do with church. Because people walked away before teaching them what to do with church. Nobody's training up the next generation. There's a couple of things I just threw at you. The state of the church here in America, and it looks gloom, it looks bleak, I get that. But I, before I continue on with those kinds of things, 
I want to kind of put a pin in that, and I want to talk about the state of Huntsville, if you will. And then I'm going to bring all this home, so stay with me. It's like a big circle. Here are some things that you may or may not know about Huntsville, Alabama. Huntsville is the largest municipality in North Alabama. Did you know that? Okay, you can, you can speak. Yeah, all right, we knew that. Now, the population of Huntsville, as of July 2014, was 188,226 people. We may think, well, that's not very big. No, but that's a 19% increase since the turn of the millennium. That's impressive. The city of Huntsville has been the fastest growing major city in Alabama over the past 15 years, and we are projected to reach 200,000 people by 2020. That's only three years. We're, we're there, folks. Huntsville will become the largest, I have to do it this way, city proper in Alabama by 2022. City proper means Birmingham Hoover area will remain as the largest metropolitan area for the foreseeable future, but we will be the largest proper city, if you will. And so here we are. Huntsville Christian Church, smack dab in the middle of the fastest growing city in the state. We're also smack dab in the middle of a city where there's basically a church on every corner. I don't know if you've driven around your city very often, but most of you can't drive from your house to work and not pass by at least one church. Sometimes there's nine on the same road. Right out our front door. Churches are everywhere. There's basically a church on every corner, and let me tell you, I get word a new church is being planted almost every month somewhere in Huntsville. Now we, we know kind of what the state of our community looks like. There's growth happening here. Huntsville is what they would call a boom town back in the day. Uh, the gold rush day. It's a boom town. People are coming. In three years, we're going to have all the people are going to be in Huntsville. They're coming literally from everywhere. They're coming from every belief system, from every denomination, from every culture. And so the state of the church, in a nutshell, is basically that a large majority of the adults are jumping ship, and the state of Huntsville is that everybody wants to live here. And that leads me to my next state, which is the state of Huntsville Christian Church. What does that look like? What's the state of Huntsville Christian Church? I got to tell you, statistically speaking, it reflects somewhat what I've already shared with you. You see, we have over 150 members, people that claim to be members of Huntsville Christian Church, yet for the past five weeks, we've averaged less than 97 people in the building. Uh, in case you're wondering, the, the kids are here. The, the junior, senior, high kids are here. Our little kids are coming. Some of them are being dropped off. And it kind of makes you wonder when you see a number like that, what else happened in here? So I got to thinking, I wonder what percentage of our members carry the majority of our financial needs and our budget, if you will. Now, before I answer this question, I want you to clearly understand, I don't know what any of you tithe. I don't know what you give to the Lord, except for Mitzi and Dylan and I. I know as a family what we give. I don't know what any of you give. It's not my business, okay? I didn't go sneaking around the books and try to figure out who's giving what. I went with some basic understanding of what we have. You have to understand this first. 
Our weekly financial need just for baseline functioning is a little over $6,000 a week. The week of December 11th, 2016, just a few weeks ago, last year, the total offering was $2,506. That week, we had 99 of our 150 people in the building, which means if you divide it right, each person in the building gave $25.31. Now, we know that math is not quite accurate because obviously... Our toddlers and our K through fifth graders didn't come to church with $25.31 to put in the offering. Um, and, and so those numbers are a little bit skewed. It would also mean that all of our junior and senior hires gave $25.31. And some of them may have. And I don't, I'm not trying to disregard any of that. So then you jump to another week. December 25th. Christmas Day, 2016, we had 93 people, and those 93 people gave an offering to the Lord of $5,400, which means each person in the building gave roughly $58.06. Those younglings must have gave up some of their Christmas money, huh? A little bit of a, a jump there. Now, I don't know what that breaks down into percentage. I can't say that only four families carry 20% of our budget or that five families carry 25% of our budget. I don't know how that all breaks down because it's not my business and I'm a preacher. I need to stay away from math. But I know this. We live in a place and if you have a job in America, you almost always get a minimum cost of living raise every year. A minimum 4% just for showing up on time and doing your job mediocrity with, with just kind of coasting through. Now, if you're pretty exceptional, you might get a 6 or 7% raise. Just think about that. And this is just a snapshot. This is just me grabbing a few weeks generally because they just happened and, I, and it was easy for me to do, just getting a few things. These are not necessarily accurate numbers because some people only get paid once a month. I understand that. So the first Sunday month is usually a really good offering. There's sometimes we've had on a first Sunday as much as ten or $12,000. But then a second Sunday rolls in and it's 1500 or 2000 uh, five Sunday months are great months because we, we kind of, we double dip as I like to call it. It's bad math, but we get an extra offering in there on those months. And, and some people get paid every other week. Some people get paid twice. I get it. But even when I do preacher math and I round up, I can see that we're not making the, uh, the basic operating budget that we need week in and week out. And since I'm doing a state of the church address, I can safely say the only entity that can operate that way is the government, not the church. It's okay, you can laugh at that. We don't mind. Only our government can operate on a, on a basis of losing money, but continuing to, to, to show that there's more somehow. Now, the good news that you need to know is we have a great financial team. And they've done a great job making sure that we've been prepared for a season such as this. That has to be a short-run season, or I'll be getting another job at Chick-fil-A. No, I'm kidding. It's not that bad, but it is my job to let you know where it is. And the reality is, the last six months of last year, we didn't make our weekly budget. The blessing is, we had wise men who in times of, of prosperity were able to put things aside, and we're okay to continue so far. But when I look at the state of Huntsville Christian Church, we don't have a money issue. Because we all have money. 
I, I, I see your phones. I see my phone. I see your cars. I've been to your houses. We don't have a money issue. Sometimes what we have is a, a heart issue. We don't always let our heart reflect what we should be doing with our money. You see, someone once said how we spend our money shows what's important to us. And there's a bad time coming out of Christmas. What's important to you? What's your priority? What does this say about us as a church and as individual Christians? Where, where's our priority? I want to encourage every one of you, please, 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 this week, spend some time this week praying about where your heart is when it comes to your offering. And you may be spot on. And you may be like, ah, he's not talking to me because I pray every week and, and the first check and, and, and maybe, it, maybe it's good. But even if it is, I still want you to pray. I, I don't want to know what you give. I don't care what you give. I just want to know that you have talked to God and you guys, you and God have talked it over and I want to know that you are giving Him first fruits, not afterthoughts. Because our God doesn't deserve an afterthought. Huntsville Christian Church does not deserve your financial afterthought. If you have questions about how should I tithe, how should I give, how can I change that state of the church for Huntsville Christian Church, our elders will be happy to talk with you about that with all confidence. If you need some help with some of your budgeting needs, we've got smart people that can help you and we'll be glad to spend some time working that through. I don't want to harp on that. But I know this. When I look at our budget, and then I get to thinking about, well, I'm doing a state of the church address. I need to look at some other things, too. Because it's not about money. Like I said, we got a, we've got a heart issue. If our average attendance is 95 to 97 people out of 150 plus, what's the percentage of statistics of people actively serving here? Being involved, hands and feet. I know this, for the past two years, and again, I'm not a good percentage person, but I know this, for the past two years, the same two ladies have been in the back with our preschoolers every Sunday, even on family Sundays. Meaning they're not in here being fed. Meaning that their husbands are sitting in here by themselves. One of the reasons that we changed our Sunday school system was because our men who had been teaching Sunday school have been teaching for years without a break, continuously, without an opportunity to be fed themselves. That people come up, they were angry. Why are we changing Sunday school? If it's not broke, don't fix it. I said, folks, it's broke. You got men teaching you the word that, are been, that haven't been fed in two years, three years. We got to feed these men. We have to do things differently. We have to encourage one another. We have to feed you spiritually. And that goes for our men and our women who are teaching they need to be, have opportunities of being fed. I, I don't want this to be a message that makes you feel frustrated or angry. I don't want you to walk out going, well, he just went from preaching to meddling and all that. I don't want you to do that. But that's a glimpse of the state of Huntsville Christian Church. Now, I didn't just dump this on you without some relief. There's an answer to all of this, and I've got it for you. I've got the answer. I need to ask you these questions, though. I showed you the kind of the state of the church. 
nationally. People are walking away. Adults are leaving. I, sh- I shared with you a glimpse of the state of the city of Huntsville. People are coming. And you got a little snapshot of a glimpse of Huntsville Christian Church. And so the question is, what kind of church are we going to be? How can we take all this information and, and, make it, and use it to make a spiritual difference in the lives of the people of Huntsville? I'm going to answer this question better in the next two weeks as I talk about our vision and our mission at Huntsville Christian Church. But right now, I want you to think about this. By 2020, what are we going to be known for? Because by 2022, Huntsville is going to be known as the biggest city in Alabama. But by 2020, what is Huntsville Christian Church going to be known for? I found the answer to that question. Guess where I found it? In the Bible. Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16. Jesus told us what we need to do. He said, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. He said, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. It's time for us to begin shining that light. That's how you fix your, that heart problem is we start shining that light. We, what are we going to be known for? What will our church look like? I'll tell you this. Right now, and you may not know this, but I'm going to brag on our elders and our leadership a little bit. Right now, we are a church that is investing in our young adults. You, you may not know that, but I want you to know that. The first and third Friday of every week, we meet with them for fellowship and community activity. We call it the gathering, kind of a fancy name. But they, they show up, they bring friends sometimes. It starts at 7. Any first or third Friday, y'all, anybody, feel welcome to come out and see what's going on. Also, we're not just doing fellowship stuff, but second and fourth Sundays, we're investing in our young adults because we've got two families that are leading them in a Bible study that's challenging them in their life. We're not going to be a church where the adults are leaving and leaving it up to the young adults to figure it out for themselves. We're investing in young adults right now. As we look at the future of Huntsville Christian Church, know this. We will be a church that disciples. We will disciple one another, and we will disciple others who come into the building. We will be spiritually strong. We'll be spiritually healthy. Your elders have, have, have made a point of that. Our spiritual health here at Huntsville Christian Church will cause a ripple effect into the city of Huntsville by 2020. I want people to know who we are. Not, not for us. Not for your sake. I don't want, oh, look at me, I go to Huntsville. No, not for that. I want people to know who you are for Christ. I want everyone in Huntsville to know who Huntsville Christian Church is because of Christ in us, not because of just us. I want every one of us in this room to be a reflection of Christ in our community. Jesus said, we are a city on a hill. There's another scripture I found, and I thought, man, we need to get in on this one. It's Matthew 16, verses 13 through 19. In the Bible, it's called Peter's Confession of Christ. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he was asking his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, and others Elijah, but still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. 
He said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father who is in heaven. I also say to you that you are Peter and upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth shall whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth have been loo- shall have been loosed in heaven. You see in Matthew 16 Jesus takes his disciples to the district of Caesarea Philippi and he's talking to them and he says, "Hey, well, who do people say that the son of man is?" They kind of stumble around, they get the uh you know the latest Facebook update or Twitter post about what the crowd thinks Jesus is. Oh, you're Elijah. You're John the Baptist. They, they kind of just throw out a few things. And then Peter pipes up, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Way to go, Peter. And Jesus commends him, his, his outspoken disciple. He says, and you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of Hades will not overpower it. Now, I got to tell you, since the Reformation, there has been a lot of discussion about this rock and about what it means. There's been some controversy about the phrase, the gates of Hades. Other translations say the gates of hell. And I've heard many sermons, I've read many different thoughts on the gates of hell and have seen a lot of um, the phrase referenced in Christian books a lot. But it's, it's the second half of Matthew 16, 18 that's got to be one of my top ten favorite Bible verses or favorite Bible promises, if you will. Picture this scene in your mind. They're in this busy area, and Jesus asked this question. And think about it. I can hear the voices right now. He says, Jesus says, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. I need to ask you a question. How do gates prevail? When have you ever seen a set of gates on the march? You haven't. Gates don't attack. You know, in football, you see there's always that one guy at a football game. He's got the big letter D, and his buddy's holding the picket fence. Defense, defense. That defense, that line, is trying to hold back the offense so they can't get to the good stuff. They can't get to the touchdown. All right? When you think about the gates of hell will not prevail, the gates of hell are what are trying to keep you from salvation, from getting to eternal life with Jesus. Listen, gates don't attack, they fortify. The gates of a castle, they fortify. The gates of Jerusalem were there to fortify the city. Gates are there to hold their ground. That's what they do. And you know what that means? It means that hell is not on the offensive. Brothers and sisters, the church is. The bride of Christ is on the offensive. Huntsville Christian Church should be on the offensive. You want to know the state of the church here at Huntsville Christian Church? We should be on the offensive for Jesus Christ. Christ's bride, you, the church, you and I, we are or should be marching into all the hells in this world. You may be thinking, whoa, how do we do that? Listen, we need to be ready to reclaim every square inch for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
How do you do that? When you refuse to lie about something, you're advancing on the gates of Hades. When you refuse, uh, excuse me, um, when we refuse to fall into temptation, whatever it is, you are advancing, you are storming those gates. And when we storm the gates of hell in His name, for His purpose, Christ promises we cannot fail. He promises we will prevail. Brothers and sisters, the state of the church is this. We need to get busy. You look around the room and you think, well, there's not very many of us. Hey, you may be right. Our servant keeper list, it says we have 154 members. But like I said, on the last four Sundays, we've averaged 97 people. But let me tell you this, I would rather have 100 people sold out for Christ than to have 1,000 people who just want to come in for a show and some songs. The state of the church is that it's time to put the devil on the run. It's time to save souls by introducing people to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's time to destroy those strongholds in our community. It's time to reclaim this world for Christ. And as we look at 2020, it's time for Huntsville Christian Church to reclaim Huntsville for Christ. We're the bride of Christ. Huntsville Christian Church is the bride of Christ without blemish because of Christ. And let me tell you what I believe about Huntsville Christian Church. She may be small, but with Christ as our foundation, she is mighty. Hear this, church. The gates of hell shall not prevail against us. The state of the church may not seem all that impressive to some. Yes, we have work to do, and yes, we need you to support the staff and the elders And as we grow, as we change, as we follow the Lord's direction. We also need to get busy building a community in here that everyone out there wants to be a part of. Not, not because we have the brightest lights or the coolest pizza parties for the youth, but because we are shining lights. And we are set on this hill that's just on the other side of the traffic circle in the city of Providence. The next few weeks, we're going to talk about the vision of Huntsville Christian Church and the mission of Huntsville Christian Church. But this morning, for our response time, I want your response to be you praying about where you can fit in to the mission and the vision of Huntsville Christian Church, where you can help change the state of the church, not just here in Huntsville, but throughout our nation. I want that to be your prayer as we respond to God's Word. If you'd like to pray with the elders about what that looks like for you, where you fit in here, or how things would work for you to start changing in your life, they're here. They'd love to pray with you. But right now, will you stand and sing our response song with us and respond to God's Word accordingly? <clears throat> it's been great to be here with you all this morning to worship with you through song and Scripture at a time of communion and offering. Sundays truly are my favorite days of the week because I get to see all of you, but now it's time to go. As you go this week, you have a lot to think about. I've shared with you the state of the church, the, the coming growth of Huntsville, and the state of Huntsville Christian Church, and I know it's just a glimpse of each of those, but I pray that it's been enough of a glimpse that as you go today, you will go prepared to be a light in this community. I pray that you will go and spend this week talking to God about how you can be on the offensive for Him. It's time for us to get off the bench and play like we are here to win. Victory's already been obtained by Jesus. Let's go and win this community for Him. Will you sing this last song for us, with us? <clears throat>